Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and thanks for joining us at Back to the Bible Canada. Today in our final message of the week, we'll continue to unpack the second chapter of Philippians. So let's listen to Dr. Neufeld as he helps us understand a lesson on role models of faithfulness from Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 23. We all need heroes, role models, and examples. How often have you heard of a star athlete telling of an older athlete whom he or she idolized from childhood and who has inspired them? You know, sometimes the young up-and-coming star athlete will even be on the same playing field or ice surface as that athlete whom they admired from childhood, even competing with them, yet feeling an overwhelming sense of awe at having achieved the privilege of now playing in the same arena. Think of Hollywood stars who speak of older actors and actresses that they have patterned their career after. But that's not just true of the famous. How many great doctors or scientists or skilled tradespeople were inspired by one certain teacher who opened up a world of fascination to them and who inspired them to reach even greater heights? The list just goes on and on. One outstanding example, one great role model can have an amazing influence over an entire generation. That's why what I'm about to say is so very important. When we're still new in the faith, we need Christian role models of faithfulness. Often a young generation of believers is condemned to mediocrity because they didn't have this. Jesus in Luke 6 verse 40 said, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. You know, the fact is, we do become like the people we admire. In the faith, that's especially important. If you're young and in the faith, you need a great role model that you can emulate their doctrine and their way of life. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So a good role model or a hero in the faith is someone who can show you what Bible doctrines, commands, And living by faith looks like in real, practical, everyday life. Just watch them, imitate them, and you'll love the Lord like they do. They'll teach you how. Okay, when we were young in the faith, we needed good mentors and good role models, excellent heroes who will teach us how to live the Christian faith. But but when we get to be mature in the faith, we need to move from simply needing role models to becoming role models ourselves. Others need to watch us and become like us. But what kind of role models are good ones? What do they look like? And how can we know if we have a good one or if we are a good one? Well, here in Philippians, we're about to encounter two test cases, two men who served as excellent role models in the Philippian church. Today, we'll observe the first one. And in the next program, we'll observe the second. Now, before we look at who they are, And why they are what they are, might I just remind you of what Paul has been teaching. Back in chapter 1, verse 15, he told of some who preached Christ accurately, but were motivated by rivalry or envy. That's not a good role model. And then chapter 127, he's urging the Philippians to make sure that their lifestyle, their daily life was worthy of the gospel. And then in chapter 2, verse 4, he started describing a lifestyle worthy of the gospel. So he encouraged them to think of the interests of others before they considered their own interests and needs. Then he called them to radical obedience, even calling them to imitate Christ's obedience of his father. And ultimately, 
Every single believer want to have the attitude of Jesus or Jesus as their ultimate role model that teaches them to live worthy of the gospel and so also advance the gospel of the kingdom. You know, all of that's great doctrine and great instruction, and yet it's still too theoretical. Isn't there someone who can model that, who can flesh that out in in real experience? And right here, Paul tells the Philippians of two people that both he and they know, two people they interact with, and will do that for them. I'm going to read the entire text, chapter 2, verses 19 to 30, so we'll get a feel for the entire thing. But I'm only going to be teaching today on verses 19 to 23, leaving the last part of that passage, verses 24 to 30, for the next broadcast. Well, let's read it. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am all the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now, you might notice how different these two men are. Timothy, well, he's Paul's second in command. He's what we might call a full-time pastor. And Epaphrodites, well, he's most likely not that. One Bible teacher called him a gospel gopher. He's not high profile like Timothy. In fact, outside of this book, we'll never hear of him again. But when someone was required to travel from Philippi to Rome, well, he's your man. In other words, he's around to do whatever needs doing. So from the outset, do you see the difference between them? One's a high-profile pastor, and the other a man who volunteers in his local church and simply does what needs doing. And both of them are heroes. Both are role models of the very thing that Paul is speaking about. Both men have fully embraced the mind of Christ. So for today, let's get a picture of a high-profile pastor who really has embraced the mind of Christ. Let's consider Timothy and see in him a portrait of a faithful pastor. Well, let's start at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. See, I noticed Paul will not release Timothy to Philippi immediately. He will release him soon, but not quite yet. Now, part of the reason for that is that although Paul expects to be released from his Roman imprisonment, he's not completely sure. Of all the people he wants with him when things get tough, When he might face an imminent death sentence, well, it's Timothy. Remember also that later on in his second Roman trial, Paul knows that he's going to be executed, and so he writes in his last letter, and and to whom does he write? Well, Timothy. And what does he say? Well, in 1 Timothy 4 verse 9, he says, Come to me soon. So there's no one better at your side when you're facing death than this young man. And here's a second reason he won't send Timothy immediately. In verse 23, Paul says, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. 
Now, at first glance, that seems to say no more than what I've already said. Timothy will stay until it becomes clear whether Paul will live or die, and if he dies, Timothy will be at Paul's side, encouraging him to be faithful until the end. Paul has no one like him. But a second glance shows another concern. If Paul dies, Paul trusts no one else more than this young man who will faithfully recount to the Philippians all the details of his trial, whether that ends in life or in death. Remember back in chapter 1, verse 18, where Paul says, I will rejoice. We noted then that Paul was expecting that when he stood before Caesar's tribunal in order to state his defense, Paul was looking forward to a special empowering of the Holy Spirit that would give him both courage and wisdom to proclaim the gospel to the elite of Rome. What Paul has in mind now is that Timothy would stay long enough to see how Paul is proclaiming the gospel boldly in the face of hostility, and that the blow-by-blow description of what happened would be reported back to the church in Philippi. See, I can almost imagine how this worked out. It's Sunday morning in Philippi, and the church meets for worship. The trial of Paul has ended, and Timothy shows up to preach that Sunday. Perhaps his message comes from Christ's own words recorded in Luke 12, 11 to 12. You know, when they bring you before rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that hour what you ought to say. And then I can imagine Timothy recounting how that promise of Jesus proved true. He would have recounted all the the details of the trial the times when Paul was under duress, and how the Holy Spirit came upon their partner, Paul, and how he did them proud. And then like any good teacher, Timothy would then have made application, telling the church in Philippi that they also will be given the same power as the persecution against them mounts in this city as well. See, that's why Paul wanted Timothy there with him, only to send him later. The role that he would play because of his gifts in preaching, would be applied to a great effect to that church. And when we come back, we will see why it is that this man is such an excellent role model, both for the Philippians and actually for us today as well. It's true. In the Christian's life, having a solid role model and also becoming one is critical in our growth and maturity. It's at the heart of biblical discipleship. In every generation, there is a need for faithful, committed men and women to lead other believers and be examples for the body of Christ. We're getting a sense of the key role that Timothy played in the life of Paul and the church in Philippi. Join us after the break when we'll discover what made him such a great leader and how we can learn from his example. What a time in history. In one sense, who would have imagined? In another, the Bible suggests that we should expect such times. In either respect, it is certainly a reminder of those things that matter most. Our love for God, our love for family, and the calling each of us has as children of God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the mission of Back to the Bible Canada. And we're so grateful that as a result of so many people across the country who give so generously, and many sacrificially that this mission continues. So thank you. Your commitment to giving allows this Bible teaching ministry to sustain its programming every day. So coast to coast, to each of you, we express our gratitude and please be assured every gift of any amount is so appreciated. 
To know more about the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada and all the Bible teaching resources available, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. I see a pattern in Paul's relationship with the Philippians. In the study of this book, we might be surprised to see the deep and rich and loving relationship that Paul had with the Philippian believers, given that he hadn't spent much time with them. And the answer to this must be Timothy. When Paul wanted news of how the Philippians were doing, Timothy was there to report. When the Philippians want to know how Paul is doing or when they needed instruction or encouragement from the apostle, Timothy could be counted on to represent Paul so well that in some ways, his presence was very much like Paul's presence. So here's the first mark of an excellent role model. You can trust what he has to say. In other words, he's objective. He'll not give you his slant on things with an underlying hidden agenda. He will keep his own agenda out of it. You can trust what he has to say. He will, as objectively as possible, report to both parties those things they want to know. How important that is for Christian leaders. Objectivity and honesty are absolutely imperative. Truthfulness is necessary. Not exaggeration, not outrageous claims, rather a full and balanced summary of the situation. And by the way, this is also why this kind of a person becomes an excellent teacher of Scripture. I mean, what after all is Scripture but a recounting of the things taught by, well, the apostles and the prophets? A good Bible teacher or a preacher labors to keep his own agenda out of the text and can be counted on to teach in such a way that what he does from the pulpit or in another setting is exactly in line with what would be done if Paul or Peter or John or Matthew or someone else were there teaching. It is this kind of trustworthiness to represent someone else that is required of a pastor. Well, let's move on to verses 20 and 21. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your own welfare, for they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. You know, earlier in the chapter, when Paul spoke of doing nothing from rivalry or conceit and learning to count others more significant than themselves, and when he spoke of the mindset of Jesus, now Paul is saying that if you want a contemporary example of that role model, well, that's Timothy. That's quite something to say of a man who is, well, still relatively young. But Timothy had a number of advantages. First, he was not new in the faith. You know, Acts 16 verse 1 tells us that Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, probably meaning that his father had no faith in Christ. But even though Timothy did not have a believing father, we know that his mother had quite an impact on him. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, Paul writes him saying, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. I think part of the lesson in this is that we must never underestimate the value of faith being taught in the home to a small boy or a small girl. And that's true if even if only one of the parents believes, what gets formed in a young heart can give a believer in Christ great advantages. You know, as a young pastor, Timothy had gained quite a reputation. Acts 16 verse 2 says he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. In other words, his faithfulness had been observed in two different churches already, and people remembered him well. He was proven. 
Furthermore, Paul knew that whenever and wherever he sent Timothy, he would not be consumed over his own issues. He would rather be consumed in the issues of the church in Philippi or in others. Here now is the second reason he's the role model of a faithful pastor. He has a track record of selfless ministry. You know, I don't want to give the impression that, that Timothy spent no time on his own private life, including, I'm sure, times of rest and relaxation and, and refreshment. You know, all of us who are in full-time ministry know the importance of these principles of biblical self-watch care. You know, when a local pastor works such long hours that he loses time for his wife and children and is out of touch with his own relationship with his own God, no one benefits. And that's why Paul told him to watch both his life and his doctrine closely. But Paul has noticed the selfless nature of Timothy's ministry. Consider what Paul wrote the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4.17. That's why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere. Or in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2, Paul writes, I sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. You know, the picture that we're getting of him is a pastor deeply concerned with the welfare of his flock. And so we've noticed Timothy's trustworthy character in that he can be counted on to report and teach without his own personal agenda getting in the way. Second, We've noticed his concern for the welfare of the church and the people of God. And there's a third item. In Philippians 2, verse 22, we read, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. You know, Paul had Timothy on his ministry team because of his character, his proven worth. Paul knew that when he wasn't around, Timothy would conduct himself in the exact same manner as when he was around. Timothy had mastered the lessons taught in Paul's seminary and had become his lieutenant. I mean, after all, Paul was an apostle, and to him had been entrusted the mysteries of Christ. So Timothy was quite content not to teach his own ideas, but to faithfully repeat only that which Paul taught. So wherever Paul sent him, he would faithfully teach the doctrines taught by Paul. And that is the test of every teaching pastor today. No congregation should be interested in his ideas, but whether he faithfully proclaims the ideas found in Scripture. Timothy was that. So here's another reason he's a a good role model. Timothy was known as a man who taught God's Word accurately and well. And that's not bad. A truthful man whose worth had been proven over and over again, who's known to be consumed with the interests of others, who can be counted upon to teach Scripture accurately. You know, if you feel called to pastoral ministry or, or if you're an elder or a pastor, become a Timothy. People will watch you and will conclude that this is the model for Christian ministry. Now, I want to be sure that I don't treat Timothy as if he were a perfect man. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, Paul had to remind his young apprentice to let no one despise you for your youth. And then later in 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, Paul had to remind Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then he adds, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. See, those lines have led a number of Bible teachers to wonder whether Timothy was timid by nature and whether he was susceptible to being bullied and pushed around by older and demanding and controlling people. Perhaps, and I suppose we're just guessing here, but perhaps Timothy struggled with the fear of of people. And here's the point. 
No pastor or Christian leader has everything together. They're not perfect. Each Christian leader, just like each Christian, comes with weaknesses. But the kind of weaknesses that Timothy had, things that he needed to work on, did not disqualify him from ministry. Indeed, Paul's statement in 1 Timothy 5.23, in which he encourages Timothy to use a little wine for the sake of his stomach and other frequent ailments, may indicate that the stress of ministry affected him physically. His sensitivity and susceptibility to criticism did have an impact on him. Still, even with his given built-in weaknesses, he could be counted on to be objective to carefully preach the word, to be honest in shepherding God's people, concerned for their spiritual welfare, even ahead of his own. And that makes a great pastor. And that makes a great role model of faithfulness. When I think of Timothy, I always think of Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Join me as we pray for faithful Christian leaders. Heavenly Father, I pray, O Lord God, watch over pastors who preach and do teach and who lead and give them much grace. And O Heavenly Father, may we emulate faithful ways of life. In Jesus' name, amen. John, great message, but really quickly, how do we keep our own personal prejudices out of the Word of God? Yeah, it's hard to do, but I do think that every single person who is called upon to preach the Word of God has to spend the time in the text and has to test their own understanding of the text against what others have said and uh, go back to the text over and over again and make sure that we say it in the way that God actually said it. I mean, that's the short answer. There's a longer one. Today, as we've looked at the character of Timothy, we get a great sense of the kind of leadership that honors God and his people. But these principles apply not only within the leaders in church, but those who are just ordinary believers, those who in some way influence the people in their own lives. I hope that this message has been a blessing to you, especially if you're mentoring and leading others. Let us be thankful for the godly leaders that we may know, and ask God to raise up more men who embody the example of Timothy. Do listen again next week as Dr. Neufeld begins week four of this series on Philippians. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. It's happening. If you've listened to Laugh Again in the past, Now the opportunity is available to not only hear Phil, but to see him in action. This month, we make the official launch of Laugh Again TV. Five minutes of storytelling, laughter, hope, and joy all wrapped into a video message from Laugh Again and Phil Calloway. If there was ever a time for the ministry, it's now. If there was ever a time to hear about the hope and joy that comes from knowing Jesus, it's now. And now you can enjoy Laugh Again and Phil in a way never experienced before. So check out Laugh Again TV at laughagain.ca or by going to the Laugh Again TV channel on YouTube. A new inspirational, joy-filled program every week. If you check out Laugh Again TV on YouTube, remember to subscribe to the channel for free and never miss another episode. Thank you for continuing to support in these challenging days. Your donations keep this unique ministry alive. 
To learn more, call 1-800-663-2425 or visit laughagain.ca.